Hi, and welcome to Walk Talk, a podcast courtesy of the Wound, Ostomy, and Continence Nurses Society. Walk Talk is your opportunity to learn more about advocacy, education, and research that support the practice and delivery of expert healthcare to individuals with wound, ostomy, and continence care needs. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jody Scardillo. Welcome to this week's edition of Walk Talk. I'm your host, Jody Scardillo. This week, I'm delighted to be sitting down with Lee Rubin. Lee is going to be the opening keynote speaker at WOC Next 2022 that's coming up soon in Fort Worth, Texas. His keynote is going to be talking about the five components of extraordinary teams. Lee has been building high-performing teams in corporate America and the collegiate sports world, focusing on the key components that create extraordinary teams for the past 20 years. This strong foundation was instilled early in his life as he held the position of captain of the Penn State football team and later went on to serve as a human resources executive, where he built senior leadership teams for some of the country's most prominent corporations. Lee has emerged as an engaging and sought-after voice across the country with his unique ability to understand and articulate winning principles with clarity and practical application on leadership, team building, and peak performance. He has collaborated with many Fortune 500 companies, as well as collegiate professional sports teams and other organizations across the country. Lee holds a bachelor's degree in speech communications with a minor in business from the Penn State University. He received a full athletic scholarship to play football for the Nittany Lions and was a three-year starting free safety. He won multiple awards for them, including the 1994 Florida Citrus Bowl Defensive MVP, an All-Big Ten Conference selection, and an honorable mention All-American. Thanks so much for joining me, Lee. I'm so excited to talk to you about your upcoming keynote address. I'm excited. I appreciate your time. appreciate the interest and looking forward to being there. Good. So I have a few questions for you. I looked at your book and read that and did a few things. And so I'm really excited to talk to you a little bit. And so the first thing I would love to know is how did you segue from a career as a human resources executive to an expert on team building and collaboration and building high-performing teams? To answer that question, I've got to go back prior to my life as a human resources professional. So I'm a former student athlete, was very fortunate, got a full scholarship to play football at Penn State University. So I've I've been a part of some amazing teams at the high school level, at the college level, did not play in the NFL, did not play professionally. And so that's when I went into human resources. But as a former athlete, I would be asked frequently Hey, Lee, can you come speak to our team? Can you talk at our graduation ceremony, our awards dinner? And I actually loved it, really enjoyed the speaking thing. So throughout my time as an HR professional, I was doing a lot of speaking, both presenting in my corporate role, but then on the side and nights and weekends, sort of moonlighting as as a speaker and finally got the business to a place where I could take the leap and leave the nine to five corporate job. So it wasn't that one led to the other. It was the fact that I was doing it and finally uh, got the courage and the, and the backing to, to make that leap. Had no idea people did this for a living, quite frankly. But the more I did it, the better I got and the more I enjoyed doing it. And I actually, I ran into some people who were doing it for a living and they offered the, the guidance and the encouragement to, to give it a shot. So 
I didn't have never looked back. Wow. So here we are. That's great. So here we are. Yeah. Did you ever think when you started your career, you would be on this path and that is, has led you to where you are now? I can't say I'd be here. Quite honestly, as I just mentioned, like I had no idea what this career path looked like. I knew I enjoyed it. I knew that I was making an impact, that people were benefiting from my experience and the things that I shared and the way that I shared it, but had no idea I'd be doing this full time then. And quite honestly, still not exactly sure where this is going to take me. (laughs) You know, I know that this is the type of career that you can do for a long time. You know, people don't necessarily retire. As long as you can communicate and you still have your marbles and you're able to, to share what you know, you know, it's not like you have to quit doing this. So curious to see how this all plays out. Right, right. You could probably like pace yourself and do a little less and exactly. have more leisure exactly. time if that was the place you ended up in, right? Exactly. Nice, exactly. nice. So what's the best thing? What's the most rewarding thing about this? I bet you see some really great results from groups and, and people that you work with. Yeah, you know, the last couple of years have been tough for all of us. And I don't compare my tough with your tough. In the nurses world, it's been, I'm sure it's just been really tough. But speaking to a laptop and talking to black boxes on Zoom has been has been really tough. And I say that because the thing that feeds me most is being in a live audience mm-hmm. and watching that light bulb go off, mm-hmm. right? When people get it. When something I say triggers a thought or resonates in such a way, that aha moment in the audience's face is rewarding. It's fulfilling. It's it's the reason I do what I do. It's nice to get notes and letters and emails from people afterwards. Hey, something you shared, I put into practice and it's helped me. Those are lovely and rewarding, but there's nothing like being in a room and you can see when that light bulb goes off, when people get it. So yeah, that's that. <laughs> that's the long answer to a pretty short question. Yeah, you must be glad to be back in person a little bit more, though, relative to doing so much work on Zoom, right? Exactly. I'm I'm grateful for Zoom. It, it kept us afloat. It was able. It allowed us to to share our content and add value during a very tough time. So no complaints about it. But you're right. It's nice to be able to to be in the room with humans. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all feel that too. So I bet you get a lot of opportunities to give keynote addresses and to provide workshops for probably all kinds of professional groups, I'm thinking. So what made you say yes to the request to do our our event? Yeah, I found this work fascinating. I've done some work with other medical groups. In fact, I just did the Washington State Medical Association. So doctors, administrators, leaders in that field. But when I learned more about this group and the difficult work that you guys do, I think my message really applies quite well. The whole idea of of coming at this, approaching the work that we do from a team perspective, not individually, not isolated, not by yourself, but the whole idea of coming together to provide a service that no one individual could do by themselves. From my perspective, it made sense to be able to share that message. I, I just think it's going to add tremendous value. In the medical field, generally, I know people are tired and fatigued and frustrated in, in, in many ways. It's, it's been a tough couple years. So I just think being able to share an encouraging message 
to provide some best practices that I think can really add some value as it relates to the work that we do and the people that we serve. Mm -hmm. Great. So are we the first group of official nurses you've worked with? Nurses, yes, I believe so. Okay, good. Again, I've done some work in the medical field, both with practitioners and clinicians, as well as administrators, but just exclusively a group of nurses, I think so. Oh, good. We're excited to have you then. So sometime soon, I'll ask you what you thought. Be gentle with me. (laughs) We will be very kind. We're excited to have you. So we're going to be like a bunch of sponges in the room, soaking up everything that you have to say. So I think we talked a little bit about how the pandemic has changed your work, but how has it changed like how to build up a team or has it like, are your principles the same, Lee, or what do you think about that? Yeah, the principles are the same. The practical application has required some tweaking and some pivoting, right? So communication has been a little different. It's been nuanced because we can't speak face-to-face and we don't have the water cooler or the coffee pot interactions. We've got to manufacture those and leverage technology to make those happen. But a team is really a network, a complex network of humans. I think we overcomplicated the idea of it, but it's really a bunch of interpersonal relationships. And the pandemic has forced us to communicate differently, but the principle is communication, right? So the principles, the ideas don't change, but how we apply them has changed. And we've been forced to look for other ways and to become creative and find ways to communicate and engage remotely. And I think that's been the biggest challenge and the biggest change But the reality is we're still in relationships and we've got to figure out how to make those relationships work. Right, right. I think for nurses, we're doing that with our colleagues and also with our patients. And so it's been a little bit of a learning curve in both directions, so to speak. Agreed. However, I think when those interactions are necessary, you figure it out. You figure out a way. I I know with my loved ones, with my family members, with my friends, okay, we can't meet in person, especially earlier in this process, you find a way to figure it out. And fortunately, we've got the technology to do a lot. Again, it's not as great as face-to-face in person, but you figure out how to get done what needs to be done. Right, for sure. And so you talk about the five components of extraordinary teams. Is that a little bit what you're going to talk about at our keynote? That is. Can you give us a little bit of a little clue about what, what you're going to tell <laughs> us and teach us about? A, a, little, a little teaser, huh? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what well, I, I, I snuck a little in earlier. And so there's this foundational idea that I think is critical because the components that I share sort of stand on or, or rest on this foundation. And the principle is that the team exists because there's a challenge and or an opportunity that's too big for one person to handle alone. That's critical to embrace. It's critical to understand the fact that we need each other, the fact that we're dependent on each other. See, if if, if there's a task that I can do all by myself, I don't need a team. But the things that we're trying to do, the, the, the people we're trying to serve, The situations we face ourselves in, those challenges and opportunities are too big for one person. And so we've got to start there. And I think the sooner we embrace that reality, the better off we're going to be. 
So that's, that's sort of the foundational principle. And then we get into some traits, some qualities, some tendencies of extraordinary teams. Is it okay to, to kind of go through them quickly? Yes, it is. <laughs> you tell me as much as you're, you feel like you want to ahead of time, and I'm all ears. As a teaching technique, they all start with the letter C. Okay. Just to make it a bit more memorable. And, and we start with competitors. Not people who are trying to beat other people, but people who are driven to be their best. I think competitors have this drive. They're passionate about what they're doing and they care about the success of the team. So again, when I say competitors, I'm not trying to say Lee's gonna beat Jody or Lee's better than Jody, but Lee and Jody are driven to be their best. And in a team environment, we actually push each other to be our best. So we have to start with people who care. If you don't care, you'll come in three minutes before your shift and leave two minutes after your shift. You don't care. It doesn't matter to you. You, you know, you hear things like that's not my job. And so you've got to start with people who really care about the success of the team. The second component is extraordinary teams have a common goal. We're connected or we've joined, we've assembled because there's something bigger than any one of us can do by ourselves. And we've got to have that shared goal, that shared vision. It's got to be bigger than any of us and our individual aspirations or desires, because it's going to require sacrifice in order to achieve that common goal. And we get into some some fun little demonstrations and stories about what it takes to achieve a common goal. The third component is extraordinary teams communicate. More than just the exchange of information, they actually are trying to get on the same page. It's more than just me telling you something or you telling me something. We're trying to connect by us getting on the same page and making sure that we're functioning in a culture of acceptance, inclusion, and trust, right? It's, it's, it's more than I'm here, you're there, and we give each other information. No, we've got to be on the same page. And you can imagine, you know, from a musical perspective, right? You can't play your melody and me play my melody. Right, right. Like that analogy makes sense. It got to be on the same page playing together to make the harmony that we're looking for. The fourth component is chemistry. And I, I get a little cute here because I, I back my way into this one. I needed a C word. <laughs> <laughs> but chemistry is about bonds. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, most bonds are formed under heat and pressure. And so what we're really talking about is how do we as a team, how do we as individuals on a team function under adversity? Because interestingly enough, adversity can either tear a team apart or bring the team together. And it's all about how we approach the difficulty and and handling it properly so that we build bonds instead of fall apart. So that might be my favorite part of the talk. And and then the fifth and final component is extraordinary teams are consistent. It's not good enough to be good periodically, right? You you can't say, well, I had a great interaction last month. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's that's not sufficient. Extraordinary teams are consistent. And we'll talk about some of the ways to build that, that consistency. Those are the five C's. The the framework of them don't change, but this conversation will be geared towards the nurses in the room and and the the issues and the challenges that, that, that they face.
Yeah. Every one you said, I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, for all of them. Jody, the beauty of that talk is every organization, every family, every sports team is a team. And so it's pretty universal. I've done this talk for football teams. I've done this talk for major corporations. I've given this, this information at marriage workshops. It's the same stuff, right? Passion, trust, communication, chemistry, consistency. That's the beauty of the talk. And I think it'll add some value to the the nurses in the room. Oh, yeah. Plus, I think that it will add value to us in the organization to be a higher functioning organization. And also, we can take that back to our practice setting and then apply that because all of us are in some type of team or another. None of us, you know, work completely alone. So, wow. It's interesting to me because a lot of my colleagues are in what I call unofficial leadership positions where they work. So they they have a lot of impact on clinical practice and how patients are taken care of, for example, or policies, or you know, they are in charge in a lot of lot of ways of how the care of patients maybe is improved or changed in an organization. But they don't necessarily have like the director or a CEO or you know, some type of a quote formal title. And so do you think that's different? Or do you think you have to use different strategies as a formal, like paid for the job leader versus like what many of us are on a daily basis? What do you you think about that? I love that question. So I'm a big John Maxwell fan. John Maxwell is a leadership guru. And he, he talks about this idea quite a bit that you're not a leader just because you have the title or the formal position on the organizational chart. You're a leader if you have influence. And I think that most people, despite industry, despite field, despite their role, underestimate the amount of influence that they have. And the answer to your question is yes, when you're not in that box and you don't have people directly reporting to you, right? It requires some tact, it requires some wisdom, Um, But I really encourage people not to underestimate the influence or the leadership that they have. Because, again, going back to my foundational principle, we're all in this thing together to achieve something that none of us could achieve by ourselves. And so whether it's the patient, it's the docs, it's the techs, it's the administrative staff, essentially we're all in this to benefit the patient. And I think tact is required to remind everyone that we're in this together and that they can't do this alone, nor can I do this alone. But I will be sure to remind us, we've got tremendous influence and tremendous leadership, despite not being the person at the top of that organizational chart. And just sort of re-empower us or remind us of the influence and the power that, that we do have. Yeah, because I think a lot of us don't realize it. And so maybe it would it would be nice to learn some ways to really operationalize that for some people are natural at that and other people, I think, have to learn it, right? I think a lot of it has to do with identity and who we think we are and the role and the conversations we have in our own heads about what our role is and, and what the pecking order, so to speak, may be. Again, coming from a sports perspective, there are no, you know, big I's and little U's, right? Everyone is essential to the success of the team, whether you're 
the superstar starting quarterback or one of the players on the practice team who never plays in the game, they're just as important to the success of the overall team. And so you'll hear some of that from me of just of not only that you're important, but how to leverage your leadership and influence to ultimately do what's best, not for you, but for the client. Right. Right. I think that will be amazing. So I want to know if you're going to talk about the eyebrow test, because I saw a little piece that you did about the eyebrow test. And I I was like, I love that. So there's really two talks that I do. I do a team talk and then I do a talk that I started my speaking career with. I call it a peak performance talk. And we talk about goal setting and making sure your goals are big enough. Yeah. Now now I've got to find a way to weave that in because it's an important idea. It just does. We'll see how we can fit it in. But it's essentially for those who, who may not be able to make it, essentially the whole idea is when you're sharing your goals with the people who know you, the people who you love and trust, if when you share your aspirations, your goals with them, if their eyebrows don't go up, right? Like, whoa, dude, are you serious? Right? That's what you plan to do? Right. If you don't get that response, then your goals aren't big enough, because essentially what that person is saying is when I look at you, when I think of you, you're bigger than what you're currently telling me. Right. If the eyebrows don't go up, then like, okay, that's no big deal. I know you can handle that. But your goals, your aspirations should be so shocking. Like, whoa, really? You're going to do that? Because if you tell them something that they know you can do, they're not going to respond. They'll say, oh, okay, that sounds, that sounds really cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've just wasted my time. I know you're capable of that. Right, right. But, okay. But the whole idea is to set really big goals and go after them. I don't believe in setting realistic goals. I believe in having realistic plans to get to big goals. But why set a goal that you know you can achieve? That's so what? <laughs> right. No challenge there, right? Yeah. Go big yeah. or go home. Yeah. That applies to teams though. Like to me it, anyway. It does. Yeah, and and yeah. you're going to, you're going to force me to weave that in somehow to my talk. Now it's interesting because when I do talks with, with medical professionals during this time with the fatigue and the frustration and the, all of the challenges, I'm careful not to push people too much. I try to be empathetic and understand that we're tired, right? But we'll see. I'll see if there's a way to tactfully and respectfully include the eyebrows. Okay. Even if it's for future use, right? Exactly. Or point them to it. Say, hey, if you guys are interested in more of my stuff, there's some stuff online about setting. Because again, I'm very sensitive to to where people are and, and, and the challenges faced in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's been rough for sure. For sure. Okay. And so you also wrote a book called Win Simple Insights to Help You Win the Game of Life. And what made you decide to write that? It's a great volume. I read it. Thank you. There, oh wow, who is that handsome fellow? I know you just look you look just like your picture too. I wish we had some video right now. Wow. Wow. Well I appreciate you picking that up. Yeah, it was great. Well I'll tell you why and then I'll tell you then I'll I'll share a few more comments about the book. I wrote it because I was told, hey, as a speaker, you need to have a book. And so I'd taken some of the ideas that I talk about frequently and 
put them in a book. I wrote the book the way I like reading books. I don't like these big, thick Harry Potter type 974 pages. And I'm rarely intimidated, but big books like that intimidate me because <laughs> <laughs> just because of the challenge of time, right? Like I, I want to get to the message. I want to get to the point. So I wrote it kind of like a coffee table book. There were a few models that I had that books that I enjoyed, the uh, chicken soup for the soul type books. So I modeled it that way. So there's some really cool anecdotes and stories. Some, I think some really cool quotes from some really cool people. The breadth and the diversity of the people that are quoted in that book, it goes from, <laughs> from presidents and dignitaries to Dr. Seuss and you know children's book authors. Some athletes too. Babe Ruth was in there. and All over the place. Yeah. It, yeah. it really is. But again, great coffee table book. Just the book of encouragement that I thought would, would help people. And yeah, just provide some insights and encouragement. That's the title, Win. Simple insights to help you win the game of life. Mm-hmm. I liked the examples too. Like I think a lot of us are learn by example or learn by doing type of people. So I liked the little stories that you, you told with them too. Yeah, I think people people relate to not just stories, but relatable stories, things that happen to all of us. I think my gift, or one of the things that that really helps me in, in my career as a, as a communicator is I try to pause and look at things from a different perspective. And I think that's where those insights come from, right? Like to really learn those lessons. And I think that comes from my football experience. The whole idea of watching film is to learn from what what just happened, right? We didn't just watch film of our games. We watched film of our practices. So on Wednesday, we watched Tuesday's practice film. On Thursday, we watched Wednesday's practice film. And the whole idea was, okay, what, what can you learn? What can you glean from what happened yesterday? And I think many of us, we just run through life so fast that we don't learn and capture and, and meditate on the things that we learned. And as humans, we end up repeating some of those mistakes because we didn't really stop and, and objectively look at what happened yesterday and, okay, what went well, what didn't go well, why did I make that mistake or why did I have that success and just pause and figure out, okay, what's the lesson here? What's the message here that can benefit me tomorrow? Yeah, I bet you see it better on tape look, looking back, right? And you can see what you did well and what you really maybe didn't do so well. Exactly. There's a saying in sports, the eye in the sky is what it's called. That that camera. Yeah. The eye in the sky don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> right? You think you did something, but the eye in the sky don't lie. Like it's going to tell you exactly what happened. Right. <laughs> you were too far, or you were too close, or you didn't take the right angle or yeah, you think you did something. Right. Didn't cover your guy or whatever. Right. Exactly. But yeah. Yeah. When we watch the tape, the tape tells the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So that all those quotes, you just kind of got those in your travels. Is is that where they because they were very specific to the little topic that you had, which I thought was really was really great. Yeah. Things that I picked up along the way. And sometimes I started with the quote and built the story around the quote. Or sometimes I had the story or the experience. There's this wonderful tool called Google. 
Uh, <laughs> hey, are there quotes around this subject that kind of speak to this idea and tricks of the trade? When you take a quote of an authority, of a known authority, and you, you associate it with at someone who at that point, you know, no one knew who I was, I hadn't written anything, it added some tremendous credibility, right? When a known figure says something that, that matches the experience or the anecdote that I'm trying to share, it just added some credibility. Yeah, it was nice because you could just pick up and read a little bit of it, like a couple of little vignettes, and then exactly. Yeah, it was. And I, I forget thing. the exact number, but there's probably about thirty-five pieces broken up into a couple categories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you took one a night, right? You know, you'd cover the month, and the hope is that you keep it on the coffee table or the nightstand, and go back and revisit them. A handy resource. Yeah. Yeah. And nice and concise and easy to find things. And yeah, I thought it was great. I was like really excited. So what else are you going to talk about? So we're going to talk about the the components of the extraordinary teams. And then it sounds like you're going to give us some strategies to build where we need to build and identify kind of where we at, we're at and our strengths and our weaknesses. What else? Anything that you can share ahead of time without giving it all away? It's going to be those five components, but I will share this. At the beginning of my talk, I'm going to ask people to listen with both ears. And what I mean by that is listen both personally and professionally. We're a part of teams outside of work. Our family is a team. Our community is a team. Our faith community is a team. And so the things that I share don't speak to just the nurse in us, it speaks to us in all of the relationships that we're a part of. And I take that holistic approach because at least for me and all the people that I know, how things go at home impact how things go at work and how things go at work impact how things go at home. And so I'm not just talking to the work part of us. I'm talking to us, to humans the people who are in relationships with other people. And I've gotten tremendous feedback from people who will send me an email and say, listen, this changed my marriage. This changed the way I approach my children. This didn't just help me at work because I'm a part of a team in every aspect of my life. So yeah, I'm not sure exactly how long my session is, but you'll be amazed at how quickly it goes and how much ground we cover in, in the, I don't know, 60 minutes or so that we have. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear it. It sounds like it's going to speak to the whole person. It does. That's the intent. Yeah. And everything that we, we do. So, all right. Anything else important that I did not ask you? I tried to come up with the, the high points, but anything else that, that we should talk about before I let you go? Yeah, no, we, we dug into my background a little bit. I think what makes me different the most former athletes who speak is that human resources experience. I'm not going to come and tell a bunch of football stories, right? I don't want anybody to be nervous about that. You don't have to know anything about the game to appreciate and, and get value from the things that we share. I know how to translate the principles that I learned from sport into language and, and content that everyone can pull from and understand. So don't want anyone to be concerned about that. Okay. A lot of former athletes just come and they just tell stories, right? I scored a touchdown with four seconds left. And I'm great. And that's, that's the end of my story. God bless. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I won the game. Yeah, right. Exactly. We won and I'm, and I'm awesome. That's why I'm, that's why I'm, <laughs> no, it's all about, it's all about the nurses. It's all about 
sharing some things with them that I think can be helpful in order to do something again, that they can't do by themselves. And that's really serve our patients. Great. Well, I can't wait to hear you on Sunday morning, June 5th. And I thank you again for sharing your time tonight. I know you have a lot going on, so I really appreciate it. Thanks for your patience. I'm glad we finally got to this. It's been, it's been tough with my schedule. So yeah, I- that's all right. It, we're, I'm glad to, we got to get it done. And we'll look forward to hearing more from you on Sunday, June 5th. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Judy. If you want more information on Lee and his work, you can go to his website at leerubinspeaks.com. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Walk Talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk Talk. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast for additional details about this topic and the speakers. You can also get more information about subscribing to this podcast so you never miss an episode and to get the latest news and information from the WOCN Society. Again, that's wocn.org slash podcast. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Walk Talk. Walk Talk.